a listener production. Hi, and welcome back to Broadsheet Melbourne Around Town. I'm Broadsheet's editorial director, Katja Vaktel, and the host of this 10-minute guide to Melbourne. Somehow it is already July and the first six months of the year have whizzed by and that's meant a lot of new restaurant openings in Melbourne. What's a little bit different this year, which the team's noticing, is that in past years there's been a huge amount, almost a grand procession, of big-name restaurants opening big-budget spaces, especially in the wake of COVID, where a lot of places were put on hold and finally kind of came out swinging after all the lockdowns were over. But the first six months of the year has been a little bit different. It's been a lot of more low-key openings, some openings where you might not even know the name of the restaurateur or the operator or the chef. And we're really excited about it because it actually means we are spending some time talking about some new talent in this city and also in places you might not expect. Today, to talk about Melbourne's best new restaurants of the year so far, I've got Audrey Payne, Broadsheets food and drink editor in Melbourne, Michael Harry, who is our national editor, and I've got Nick Connolly, who's our publications director. Welcome, everyone. Hi, Katja. Hello. Lots of new restaurants to talk about and some really interesting themes, which we'll kind of get to throughout the conversation. We're going to start alphabetically. So let's talk about Alta, Nick, which is a wonderful new Italian spot in the north. Yeah. So it's in the old little Odessa space, which is just off um, Brunswick Street in a weird little cul-de-sac thing, kind of where Stagalese is. I think it's on that, in that same street. And it's just a wonderful Italian trattoria. Like, I, I, I'm not going to say that it's doing anything radically different or whatever, but my overall impression of the place is that it just feels so professional. It's got that kind of vibe, like when you go to an Andrew McConnell restaurant or a or Carlton Wine Room, which is Andrew McConnell alums, where you walk in and you just feel like you're in the hands of professionals. Yeah. All the guys walk around with napkins slung over their shoulders and like they're all very relaxed and comfortable and it's just, it just feels like a really good time. So who's behind it? A sommelier, James Tate. And then the chef is McKay Wilday and Luke Drum, who's ex-Carlton Wine Room. So yeah, there's that kind of professional link there. And there's a specific region of Italy that they're focused on. Piedmont. So what does that mean for the beautiful pastas and some of the wine you can expect? Yeah, Piedmont is known for Nebbiolo, which is that kind of big, gutsy red. So if your dad loves to drink McLaren Vale Shiraz or South Australian Shiraz or Cabernet, bring him here and have some pasta. Now, the next one we're going to move on to is a very sky-high, probably one of the grand openings on our list this year. Michael, tell us about Atria. It's the flagship restaurant of the new Ritz-Carlton Hotel, which opened in March. This is a really fancy hotel, like, and it probably could exist anywhere in the world. It's got that kind of level of polish, like in a good way. And it's at the top of this 80-storey tower. So the chef is Michael Greenlaw. He worked at Vudemont, which you can actually see from the restaurant, but a whole new angle. Like you can see it from above into Vudemont. No, so you're looking down, down from Vudemont. <laughs> no one's ever done that. <laughs> yeah. So it's a whole new perspective here. Um, and it was pulled together by Mark Best, who you might know from The yeah. Final Table on Netflix and many fabulous restaurants. I mean, one of Australia's you know, most influential mm-hmm. and respected chefs. And Zara and Michael Madrison are doing the cocktails from the Everly and Heartbreaker fame. Couldn't get further away from the heartbreaker than Atria. And there's also an amazing dessert chef, Kayleen Tan as well, who we profiled on Broadsheet recently. Yeah. And where was she beforehand? Remind me. She was eight years at Coda and Tonka. That's right. And God, she's good. Yeah. Really good. In the opening story, which you wrote, Nick, you mentioned the seafood. 
There's a seafood focus at the restaurant, but it's not your typical seafood. Yeah. So Michael Greenlaw, the chef there, is a hobby spearfisher. And so he has this insane knowledge of seafood because he literally catches it himself. And so he said to me, people eat whiting, people eat snapper. That's great. They're potentially getting overfished, bloody, bloody, blah, blah, blah. Why are there all these other amazing species that we're not eating? And so he's really keen to, to highlight those like duckfish. And there was another type of snapper, like I think he called it sand snapper or something, which is a bit different. And a lot of these are considered bycatchers. So if fishermen catch them, they're like, oh, I accidentally caught the wrong fish. And they, they put it back. So he wants to bring those to light. Michael, you ate there. You said it was beautiful. Yeah, I would say this is like a new special occasion restaurant for Melbourne. It's pretty next level, literally. The dining room's like being inside a glittering chocolate box. Like it's it's a really great space. Um, and it's an a la carte menu, actually. So mm. you don't have to be locked into a, a full-on degustation, although it certainly lends itself to that. Yeah, there's some amazing dishes. One of the best snacks I've actually had this year so far was a, a Wagyu Brassaiola on a crumpet with horseradish cream. This crumpet was like a cupcake. Like it, it was really beautiful and delicious. The wallaby fur as well. They're not calling it fur on the menu, but it basically is, right? Right. So yeah, that's another one that um, Michael's really proud of. So it's a, it's like a fur type broth made of wallaby and it's yeah got lots of fresh native herbs and stuff in it. So it's almost like an Aussie take on fur. I'm mm. stuck on cupcake crumpet. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah, we need that. <laughs> yeah. More of that, please. Audrey, let's go to one of your favorite openings yeah. of the year, which I love the story of, and especially the story of the recipes mm. on some of the menu. Let's talk about Thai Barn also in the CBD. Yeah. So Thai Barn is on the top end of Burke Street where there are, I don't even know how many Thai restaurants up there. There's like a real movement or hub. hub. Yeah. It's a Thai restaurant hub and it's run by these two ladies. So Gerada is the owner and then Saifon is the chef. And both of them are from Isan originally. Gerada's family had a boat noodle store and they ran that for 30 years. So she grew up around that yeah. and has learned the recipes from her parents and brought them to Melbourne. And it's actually really exciting because her first restaurant is also named Chai Barn. It's in Williamstown. And when I spoke to her, she like obviously loves running that restaurant, but was really excited to kind of expand the offering in the city just with more people coming through. They could do a lot more with the menu. And then Saifun's mother used to run a restaurant in Bangkok. So she also spent a lot of time there and learned how to cook from her mom. She came to Melbourne, studied commercial cookery, only wanted to cook Thai food. So that's how she ended up working at Thai Barn. So yeah, really amazing things. I went and had the Padsu and a papaya salad. Not that adventurous to be totally honest, but then everyone I've spoken to, I mean, Michael's been, um, has ordered different things and everyone said how amazing it was. I had true to form both desserts. So there's one that's a coconut ice cream with egg yolk swirled through it. Apparently it's quite common in Thailand, but pretty hard to find in Melbourne. And it didn't impart like any flavor. It was just a texture, which I described as a frozen arrow bar. Like it has that kind of like crisp, it just kind of melts in a really bubbles. fun way. Yeah. Bubbles um, when you put it in your mouth. And then they have another dish that's like Thai jellies and coconut milk, which is like always my favorite type of dessert. Yeah. Yum. Yeah. Where yum. do you get, Michael? Uh, it's so cool. It used to be the mess hall, which was quite like a fancy Italian bistro cafe sort of thing. 
doesn't look anything like that. No, now. it's bright and colourful. And yeah, they've got like those crazy lights on the walls, which are like quite celebratory. Yeah, yeah they do live music on the weekends. Um, mm, I, yeah. I'm keen for that. I know, me too, yeah. Mm. Yeah, it's a hop skip from Soy 38. So it's mm. kind of a bit of a similar vibe, like uh, that level of traditional Thai food. So I got a salad as well, a duck salad, which was like really punchy and, and full of chilli. And I had the boat noodle, which is from the 30-year-old recipe. The soup is blood, yep. pig's blood, but it's, it's very... Very rich, dark, unctuous, with like these long springy noodles. It's quite awful forward. Like you're gonna find some some liver and, and spleen and what what have you in this soup. It's totally delicious. I had something a bit more easygoing, which was a, a pad crapau, like a, a mm. classic that spicy mince with the holy basil and a like crispy fried egg on the top with like hot white rice. Every table you're looking around, and I'm like, I want that. I want mm-hmm. that. I want that. Nick Connellan, I'm excited to talk about the next entry because I think it also speaks to something that's happening in Melbourne food at the moment, and that is Pinche Cantina. I'd love yeah. to hear about this little place. Little being, I mean, I don't even think little's the right way to describe it. It's within another bar. Yeah, so it's at Nasties, which is a dive bar in Thornbury. Um, kind it of sounds with- like a lovely place. <laughs> <laughs> Nasties, yeah. So it's got skateboards on the wall, graph everywhere. It's got this little kitchen there um, that has been used a few times by people in the past, but had been vacant for a while. And so Yorith Tudor, who was one of the founders of Wolf and Swill Pizzeria across the road, has moved into that kitchen. And he's not making pizza. He's making tacos, which for me, I'd been talking to him about this for a long time because I kind of know him. I used to eat at Wolf and Swill, or I still do. And I would see him and he's like, oh, yeah, I'm thinking of doing this taco thing. And I was like, okay, that's interesting. I think you're a pizza guy, but now you're telling me you're doing tacos. And then I went in there and yeah, it's bloody amazing. He's not a trained chef, but somehow he's he's doing tacos that are on par with anything you'd get in the city. Better in some ways in that he is making all the tortillas himself fresh, which for me, as someone who has been to LA and eaten the tortillas I have there, haven't been to Mexico sadly, but um, having them made fresh and spongy is such a big difference. So most people just get them pre-made from La Tortilleria, which is a really high quality tortilla factory in Kensington, has all the equipment, does it all properly, but they're not fresh mm. and they're not made right there, which is a bit different. So here's a really nice and spongy. They're really pliable. They hold their shape really well and everything he puts on them is delicious. So he's doing a lot of smoked meats and stuff in his smoker, which is in the alleyway. And then the real killer thing on the menu that people kind of might not choose, but which they should, and this was me, was um, potato tacos. And he, he calls them um, tacos dorados, but Aussies might know it more so as taquitos, those um, deep fried rolled tubes that mm. you used to get at um, Taco Bill and places like that. And these are sick. So they've got like a very velvety um, Dutch cream potato in them and they're deep fried and it's like, it's delicious. Oh, it sounds really good. Yeah. There's been quite a few Mexican spots that have opened this year. We're having a real renaissance, aren't we? Yeah. So yeah. just name a couple of them, even though they might not kind of form this this formal best of list, they're still really good spots. Yeah. So we've got CDMX in the city, which is, I think, kind of 18 months old at this point. They're about to open in Brunswick East as well. Same name, CDMX, Mexico City style tacos. Um, you've got Dingo Ate My Taco, who've got a residency at the mill. They do Fantastic Birria Tacos, Super Cheeto over in, I think it's Seddon or Yarraville. Um, there was that great van we talked about 
Um, Tacos LA. Which yeah. I tried to find and he was like, sorry, gone overseas for a bit. I'll be back soon. I was like, oh, okay. So yeah, Tacos LA kind of cruises around St Kilda and Bayside. He's really legit. And then the Happy Mexican opened their uh, rooftop in the CBD as yeah. well. So it's all happening. Many more options for those who love tacos and Mexican food. Audrey, mm. let's head to South Yarra now. Mm-hmm. Talk about Yan. Yeah. So Yan is a restaurant that is in the old Yagiz space, kind of opposite where Francois is. And it's a Sydney import. They're Cantonese and Japanese food. And the inspiration comes from American barbecue. So there's a smoked aspect. But I almost feel like that's a misleading way to frame it because it's not like brisket that's being smoked for hours or like American barbecue flavors are so strong. Yeah, it's not like that. I mean, I described it as using smoke almost like a spice. So there's just little touches of it throughout dishes and it's never the whole dish. It'll be in a component. So, you know, in a sauce or just used to finish off a piece of protein. You were really impressed at the time with kind of the nuance of some of these dishes. Yeah, because I was a little worried it was going to, I was going to like come out smelling like I'd been at a bonfire or something, but it's not like that at all. Super nuanced. And um, they're starting to put smoke into some of their cocktails. So I think that's slowly being rolled out, but yeah, smoked whiskey drinks and things like that. Also, I would be remiss not to ask you about that dessert you loved as well. I'm so glad you asked. There's a Hong Kong milk tea inspired layer cake that is also a riff on a tiramisu. Narada, who doesn't consider himself a chef, but he's kind of the brains behind the restaurant in many ways, um, was inspired by a dish that Chef Melissa King made on Top Chef. So it's a riff on that. It is a layer cake with boba on top. And it just, I think it's a reason to visit the restaurant, but I am a very dessert person. You're you're revealing yourself to be a dessert. I know. I just think that they're just so beautiful. That's all we've got time for today. There have been that many incredible new openings in the city. We are going to get to the second half of our best restaurants of the year so far list on Monday. Listener.